0: Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the A.V. Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. It is time to hit the theater seats. Another episode of Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Your hosts nowhere where to be found. So instead, you have their stunt doubles. I am Dave Brooks. And I'm Joel Hoover. Glad to be here. As
1: a stunt double, we pay tribute to the stunt doubles a little bit later a little bit earlier a couple of episodes ago so i think being called the stunt doubles for rick and nick is a bit of a high honor
0: dave yeah i'll, I'll take that i think we've done what 40 some episodes of the mm-hmm. stunt doubles it's like if coy uh, and vance never left the dukes of hazard that's an inside joke if you've been around long yes
1: time. it is yeah and that's a tv joke as well yes. sli- slightly stepping outside the realm of our podcast and i have dated myself Speaking hey, of tributes, though, we hey, got to pay... You tri- you cannot date yourself when it comes to movies or TV, I don't think. It's just good
0: references. I suppose. But if you're not in on it, so to speak, then out. You were how, saying how many kids today on Twitter are making Lawrence of Olivier jokes? It's a little before their time, well, but still a darn good movie. Yeah, that's true. Good actor, rather Lawrence of Olivier. You were saying we're speaking of tributes. We got to give a tribute to the Bemidji Theater, our sponsors. Great spot to go see some shows. And by the time this uh, initially gets launched, there's a uh, somewhat large movie coming out. I believe. Oh, that's a whole other topic. But we'll talk about that. Summer season coming up. Any season coming up, they've got online ticket sales. They've got five dollar. Tuesdays. All tickets are $5, even discounts at the snack bar, and they even have sensory friendly shows every third Saturday of every month. So if you have sensory issues or autistic kids, the lights are up, the volume is down, Uh, definitely worthwhile. Go tell the crew that uh, Rick and Nick sent you yeah absolutely and they're
1: also in our big deal store as yeah, well through paul right. bunyan broadcasting you can get movie tickets there for a discounted price uh through our big deal store great arrangement that we have with the bemidji theater there so we give check missy it out a Shout out! yeah absolutely what's up miss
0: we love you missy yeah thanks I, for teaming up with us i got to see the production of the uh, projection booth i'm just saying Yes,
1: you did get a tour. I, I still haven't gotten my tour yet, but but that's okay. It's all good. So, yeah, uh, big week, Dave. There's a lot of big stuff going on. There's some new trailers that are out for a couple of movies, too, so we will briefly delve into those before we get into our topic today. Uh, hopefully this episode is not a one-hit wonder kind of episode. Um, and I hope you and I have a little bit of more versatility than some of the topics that we're going to discuss today.
0: Hey, we're like a piano. You can do gentle Beethoven, or you can bam, bam, bam,
1: bam, little Richard, or everything else. I've never heard it's most
0: versatile of, instrument there is
1: of being compared to a piano, but that that does work
0: pretty well. And I guess there is a lot of versatility. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you ever watch Jerry Lee Lewis play that thing? He lit the piano on fire while playing it. Don't see a lot of that at a Beethoven show, do you?
1: We're not going to light the microphone on fire. By no, the way, we're no. we're just going to do the podcast. So I don't want an electrical shock? In the news today, yes, Dave, you alluded to it. There's a big movie coming out this week a a movie that I am slowly but surely building myself up to after last year being let down, thinking there would be
0: a result. Are you, so, are you speaking about uh, the new Lion King coming? Well. The Lion... Maybe that one, too. The Lion King did have a sequel,
1: but it's not like you expected there to be a sequel after it or, or came into the movie and then left going. They're they're setting it up for another one.
0: Hmm.
1: So at least that wasn't the case here. But, yes, The Lion King is coming this summer, and I've seen the trailer for it. But, but the
0: Avengers are about to turn the corner. It's the one big release, at least as far as when we're recording this coming up this upcoming weekend. And uh, I, think it'll, I think it'll do some decent numbers, I'm pretty sure. I have a feeling, just a thought, a vibe. It's going to be a big test, I,
1: I think, though, because on the one hand, you've got maybe a little bit of fatigue after Captain Marvel came out there earlier this year. You had the last movie last year for The Avengers, um, which did not have a resolution, as some, including myself, thought there would be. But now we have been given Endgame, and... Based on the title alone, you would think there will be a lot of resolutions, even though
0: maybe not a complete group
1: so, resolution.
0: So let's touch base on this whole resolution thing. Empire Strikes Back didn't have a resolution. It was the cliffhanger, and it was, well, what, huh? We've seen those before. Matrix Reloaded had no revolution. No, well, it did have a revolution later. had no resolution to it. Um, but the one thing that <laughs> had got, a revolution got later. that, the one thing that was, you know, misrepresentative was they promoted as this is finally the end. Oh no wait, this is finally part 1 of the end is what they should have said. Correct. And if you'd really really look between the lines you could see there's another one coming. But they didn't promote it like that. This is the one you've been waiting for. This is finally it. Oh wait, no there'll be another one in a year. You know, what? You know that came across as somewhat dishonest, but we'd asked ourselves we'd asked the question about a year ago. Is this going to be the bursting of the bubble? Well, a couple of weeks after or months after that came Ant Man and the Wasp. Did good business. Didn't do as well as the original, but did good business. Captain Marvel comes out about a month or so before this new Avengers movie. And even despite what was a trolling attempt, I guess you could say, to try to trash the movie before it came out, it overcame it, did great box office numbers. It's been playing for a month and a half, and it's still going well i just went to see it that doesn't that doesn't happen if it's not a good movie It, it does its thing and it goes away the movie is still going a month and a half later that's and enough to resonate that's unusual that says something about the movie did you like it i thought it was okay okay i thought it was all right
1: um another another origin story and and i don't know there it just it didn't stick Quite as well, I think, as some of the others, but it it was still very solid, and I thought Brie Larson was great. Yeah. I, I thought she was very, very good. Um, it, it just it didn't stick quite as well as some of the others in my book, but I thought it was I thought it was still very good. It had it had some nice twists and turns, and it set up for this movie pretty well, I think, um, and and
0: introduced a very important who I think will be a very important character. Oh, I, I think you can see the solution to everybody being wiped out by the way uh we do do spoilers in this show so heads up but you know the last avengers movie came out a year ago so by now most people know that half the people on earth have been wiped out so now we got to get them back somehow yes so i believe uh captain marvel gonna have a little something to do with that
1: little something yep as well as some of the technology that we saw in ant-man and the wasp as well but dave here's the thing that that endgame has going for it that That has actually intrigued me, even though I was disappointed with how the last movie, you know, was spilled and then came out, came along as it was. This movie is one of the few that I think you can truly say is shrouded in mystery. Oh, yeah. The trailers. Do do you believe any of the footage? That we are
0: seeing in the trailers for Endgame. It doesn't matter. And where some people get bent out of shape that there's scenes showing up in trailers that won't make the final cut. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Show me. I mean, I don't care if uh, Jane Erso is facing down a TIE fighter on a catwalk that didn't happen in the actual movie Rogue One. I don't care. Makes you want to see it. I think it would be better served in a lot of cases if you did special footage just for the trailers that doesn't give things away. Even if you do, I'll give you the best example, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels from the 80s, Steve Martin and Michael Caine, and the entire trailer is them walking along a nice scenic Riviera Boulevard and there's a narrator going, and then they just casually push somebody into the water. That was all the trailer was, Did not, and that scene is not in the movie. They did it just for the trailer and it got people laughing it was the funniest part of the movie that I had actually gone to go see that wasn't that good of a comedy if i remember right and maybe people want to go see that movie and that's doesn't matter so if they're trying to mislead you great don't care i don't think they're even trying to mislead
1: i think they are just keeping everything under wraps like they are they're showing like the the saddest stuff in the trailers like of everybody contemplating the current state of things we're not seeing a bit of where this is going to go, which I think is great. I do, too. I, I think they're doing it really well. And they've got them all suited up, marching toward maybe blasting into space. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, We're not seeing very much. And what we are seeing, I really wonder how much of it will actually be in the film itself. So the intrigue? They've got me intrigued because I don't have a clue. Plus, I think the Russos, they might want to go into like some bunker hidden away somewhere and take all the secrets with them. I think they would want to um, before the movie actually gets released because that's how secretive they are right now. Well,
0: it's week of now. and The movie really is going to start coming out where? What, well, Wednesday night? So we've got, what, 48 hours or so before secrets are going to start getting spilled. So now you're going to really have to start... Putting on your Blinderthon 3000s or whatever goggles and sensory deprivations. Um, so here we go. But the two big things that want to, you know, I, are resonating with me is they have done such a good job, Kevin Feige and the Russos. They really have shown that they have an arcing story here with everything. And it is held together and it has done well. And even after the last Avengers movie, we're well, there might be a revolt here. Maybe the bubble's popping. Hasn't yet. But I also wonder that leads me to the second one. This has been a long time. What, twenty four? Something like that. Mar- twenty two MCU movies. This is the. This is not the end, but it's the turning of the corner. And they actually just announced that the Spider-Man Far From Home movie, which is coming out this summer, will actually be the final movie of this phase. It'll have a little fallout from what happens in, you know, the Avengers movie, and then they'll go with Phase Four after that. Are the, crew, are the audiences going to follow along with this now? Because it's been such an investment. Maybe you need to sit back and have a cigarette. You know what I mean? Take a break. Try something different. And it'll be interesting to see if the, and not just Marvel, but will the comic book bubble finally burst at the end of this long, long arc? I don't know. I really don't. But I don't run a mile and get ready to run another one.
1: We've asked that question I don't know how many times over the last couple of years, over the last couple of months, I keep thinking there's going to be a point where it's going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. However, this has been a long time coming. This conclusion of this story, and I think some are speculating that there will be major characters who will either be departing, or, or like getting a retirement, or will maybe die in in this this upcoming movie. So,
0: Don't what is that breath.
1: going right? I I'm not. What's that going to do? I, I've learned I've learned to know better. So what is that going to do, though, for the overall interest in the series? That's the big question. Stay tuned. Yeah.
0: Not only that, you've got uh, other other news or any more adventures
1: well, new other news there tra- there are starting to be more and more trailers that are coming along yeah. for some of the later releases later this year which you and I will will record an episode on summer movies here in the coming weeks yeah. so stay tuned for that that's that's usually what we do is we'll we, we start to unpack what's coming up later on in the year as we get into May it's looking to be a good summer season too it's it's looking to be very intriguing two trailers in particular stood out to me uh, both are teaser trailers essentially the one was for the Joker movie. And that has gotten some enormous buzz on social media. Twitter just erupted. There were, I think, 46 million views for that trailer last I checked, or something yeah. along those lines. The numbers, Dave, are pretty impressive on the buzz for the Joker movie. Buzz. And yet, it's it's some pretty significant buzz.
0: Yeah. And uh, the other one?
1: The other one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which got its teaser trailer, which... If you watch it, it is not very Quentin Tarantino esque. That's if what you, I thought. Too. If you watch that trailer. Yeah, you in particular mentioned that to me before the podcast today, going, This this did not feel like a Tarantino movie. It almost felt way too it, happy. It
0: looks like a Sunny Delight commercial. You're gonna get all these happy people going to some refrigerator. Well, we got this, we got that, we got some purple stuff. You know, it and then you get this dark underbelly with the whole Manson part that's gonna come in to be a play of that. It's just a teaser. I don't know. I, I think it looks interesting. I think it sounds interesting, but I'd like to see more maybe.
1: Right. Well, the thing about the the Manson Murders part of this movie is that from everything I've read and heard, those murders are providing a backdrop
0: yeah. to the story that that this is going to Yeah, it's not kind about Manson Murders. It's it's like the Titanic, well even that's probably not a good example. It's about a well-known event that takes place as the backdrop to the actual story. Put it that way. That's a very good way to put it. Oh, and of course, you got the new Star Wars teaser trailer, and now the reveal, episode nine, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah,
1: Rise of Skywalker.
0: You think they're going to do a little retconning with Ray? Just a thought? (sighs) I'm nodding yes. You know, I thought they said they weren't going to go that route. I think that's what they said and then they realize, well, we done pissed off everybody. Let's uh let's make some adjustments. What do you say? That's what I'm thinking. And I think honestly, they should. Oh, I, I, you know, it's it's interesting. You I will touch base on this real real because quick. Because
1: that's a complete pivot away from where the last movie was taking it that anybody can be somebody. Yeah,
0: well, that's great and that's a wonderful thing, but You know, there's a there's a literary exercise called the poetry game. It probably has other names too. And everyone pulls out a piece of paper and they write down the first paragraph of a story. It can go anywhere. And then you pass the paper to the right, and you get the person to your left, they hand it to you, and you continue the story. J.J. Abrams started The Force Awakens and had these interesting threads. He asked questions. He didn't give answers, he got questions. And then Ryan Johnson got it and said, Yeah, I don't want to do any of those. I want to cut all those off and do my own thing. And I want to come up with a character background that is not faithful to anything that has come before. And I want to do a non-Star Wars Star Wars movie. It just it didn't work. And it took me the better part of a year to kinda figure things out as far as where I thought it went. And we've talked about this before. We saw the we saw episode eight together. And uh I, you know, all in all I liked it. I think it's not a bad movie, but I have come to the conclusion I think it is my least favorite of the Star Wars movies. And it you is... can see why people complain so much. Oh too. yeah, there's there's reasons why. Attack of the Clones prior to the Last Jedi was my least favorite. That being said, it's not a bad movie. It's, you know, Star Wars set the bar to a level and so how does this movie go toward that bar? It doesn't, not even close. And the Last Jedi breaks some of the most basic storytelling rules there are it should have some level of consistency to it you know the whole macguffin of that movie was the oj chase and i've talked about that oh, before so i won't yep. i won't go down that road anymore you but and i just, you and i have rehashed that more times yeah, than, than we care to but the whole thing just it was it was not true to itself really it wanted to do its own thing it changed everything about star wars And while while I think it going in different directions wasn't a bad thing, I think the directions that it chose to go and the way it got there, no, it was a disservice to the fans and to the movie to the point where that movie's been out for almost a year and a half and they're working on episode nine and they're like, yeah, we got to fix some things. You don't do that if the movie really was, hey, it was bold, it was great, we completely support them. I think people are starting to realize, uh, yeah, maybe we uh, should have, you know, yeah. So they're going to you know, do some band-aiding and some retconning, and they're going to try to fix it and give us a satisfying conclusion. And I think they will succeed, but uh, Verdict will be out on December 20th, 2019. That's,
1: that's a very, very interesting theory, Dave. That's a very, very interesting theory
0: because by the title, it does make you go – Wait a minute. Who else is it going to, unless Luke is the one person resurrected from the dead, not unlike Leia, who almost died in the last one. But, you know, I don't see him coming back. This is not about that generation. Technically, Kylo Ren is a Skywalker because he's, you know, Vader slash Anakin's grandson. Everyone has been saying, well, it's got to be Ray. It's got to be Ray." No, your, your, your family were nobodies. Or was that a lie? You know, Obi-Wan was not exactly fully honest with Luke from a certain point of view. You know, Vader killed your dad. From well, a certain point of view. sort of, he did, you know. I think we're going to find out that, you know, what he said was misleading as an attempt to manipulate Ray or whatever, whatever. And in fact, your father is Luke. That's what I think. I think a lot of people have thought that. You know, yeah. who, who the mom will be, I have no idea. I think that was an idea that they had thought... Maybe would be explored in episode eight, but then Ryan Johnson dropped everything, and who knows? So, all right, we'll put that in the back pocket and get back to back that in a pocket. couple of months. We have an actual topic for this show, don't we not? Yes, we do.
1: This was your idea for this topic, and I, you presented it to me, and I thought this is a great idea, and it's it's something we haven't really delved into, and and that's the idea and notion of one trick ponies and not just one trick ponies, but you could even branch that off to one hit wonders in some ways. Um, but one trick ponies, people or movies that are very, very rigid in terms of not having a lot of, a lot of versatility to them. Evolution. That's another good way of looking at it too. Yeah. Because for some, especially, and we're talking about acting here in particular, but you could even go directing too. For some, there is a certain way that they go about either making a movie or being in a movie, and that's pretty much what they are known for. And there's not too much in the way of I want to learn how to do something a little bit different. No, this is this is what makes me bankable and I'm gonna ride with this or
0: hope to ride with this and continue to make my money. We'll give you I'll give you an example here of what we're talking about. And then I'll give it a twist. And we kind of were talking about this off air. The name Keanu Reeves came up. Well, he's Bill and Ted. Whoa. You know. And you see Point Break with Patrick Swayze. And it's basically the same character. But now it's like if uh, Bill S. Preston joined the, military, joined the FBI. You know, it's the same kind of character. And then he started branching out into different things. Not to say that they were all hugely successful. Francis Ford Coppola did a Dracula movie in 92. Keanu Reeves was right in the middle of it. I wouldn't say he stole the show but he was certainly showing things that he could do. He actually worked on stage in Britain and on Broadway. I think Broadway or Britain's North End or whatever the case. He started showing versatility and flexibility and now you look at the run of his career with the Matrix and uh, now he's got John Wick movies going and you know they're they're pretty interesting. I don't think he's ever going to win an Oscar but he has certainly not he's come a long long way. Funny enough since they're going to do a third Bill and Ted. He's come a long way from Bill and Ted. And so he's not a one-trick pony. He may not be the greatest actor in the world, but he's got some greatly entertaining movies. He's got hits and misses, but you can't pigeonhole him as a one-trick pony because he clearly is more than that. Which is why there could be
1: some discussion that we have here because when I brought that one up, Dave, you made a compelling case for why he's not a one-trick pony example. And then the more I thought about it, especially when you brought up Bill and Ted, more I was like, you know what, yeah, he's not just a, a guy who's a brooding action guy. Although, in two of his more well-known roles, in The Matrix and in John Wick, he is known as that. But then you've got something like Bill and Ted, when you watch that, you suddenly realize, Whoa. Well, there is more to Keanu Reeves than I thought, and you kind of have his his uh voice running through your mind as you say that.
0: And even beyond the big screen, he sort of has a Bill Murray-esque quality to him. And I don't mean in the funny, I mean in the public lore of him, you know, does Bill Murray just walk into a party and do dishes? Yes. But not that Keanu Reeves necessarily does that, but he's got this reputation he's built as one of the nicest guys. The money he made, not all, not every dollar, but by gosh, a whole lot of it from the Matrix movies, he gave everybody on the special effects crew uh I think it was a Range Rover or whatever it was. Really? That's not cheap, but he did it because he can. You no know, who does that? Nobody does that. But there's countless stories about where he'll be somewhere and he'll meet fans and he's just genuine and down to earth and oh yeah, and you know, oh you have you know I'll buy you sure, we'll buy you lunch and Yeah, that's so that kind of thing has risen too. People wanna to see Keanu Reeve movies. Because they like Keanu Reeves. I mean, he, he's got some good picks. John, you know, speed, lightning in a bottle. I mean, he did a lot for that movie. So, n- not a one-trick pony. He's definitely proven to be versatile, and with his behind-the-scenes antics is not the right word, but it's the only one that comes to mind as well. Helping that.
1: All right. So, movie or actor or director-wise, Dave. What is a prominent example of a one-trick pony in your mind? The
0: easiest one that came to mind immediately that I can throw a poke a stick at is Sean William Scott, and I hate to say it, he's a Minnesota boy too from Cottage Grove, I think. But Stifler—that was what he was. That's what he does. And every movie that hasn't been an American Pie spinoff has been some variation of Stifler, something similar. I think probably the even if you saw him in the original Final Destination movie, he's kind of Stifler-esque. So it just and this would be from before Stifler. So it just that's that's the thing. And so he there's a shelf life for things like that. Same thing with Bobcat Goldwaite. He had that you know whether he's directing or anything, he hasn't had anything successive. noted. maybe Bobcat Goldways before your time, and you're like, I'm trying to think. Police Academy is probably the best place to point him out. Okay, um, but he was he had the he had the shtick about him, and that was it when it ran it when it ran its course. That's a good word. When the shtick, when the Stifler yeah. thing ran its course, well, he found a great niche. But every niche has to have a shelf life. That's why it's a niche, not a genre, so to speak. And it ran its course and it was done. And while Goldwaite has branched into directing and he does some other things and he's still around and he's still relevant on the underground, he's not really mainstream anymore, and he's certainly talented. I'm not taking anything away from him. And so is Sean William Scott. But that course has been run and it's done now. And until he finds some other way back in with some other non-Stifler-esque way, it will probably be done for him. One of the biggest commonalities
1: that I found when, when searching for... People who would kind of fit this this mold, a lot of them are comedy related. Yeah. They they rely on on their stage uh, kind of their stage persona to carry them through the movies that they are into as well. A lot of a lot of stage people, but even but even those who may not necessarily be stage people, but they are comedic actors. They they kind of go that route. Kevin Hart came to mind right away for me. I think I think Kevin Hart is is a, a one trick pony. He he goes for that that high pitched voice, that that complaint. I, I'm complaining about this thing that I am dealing with, which it is funny. But when you've watched a couple of, if you've watched like any of his TV stuff or any of his stand up or any of his movie of his movies, that's what you're going to get with Kevin Hart. You know what you're getting, and yet people do love to go and see his movies. But you know what you're getting with Kevin Hart, and Oh yeah, there are probably going to be a couple of height jokes in there as well at his expense. So, you you're getting a lot of the same thing with him because that's that's kind of what his comedy has been built on. And thus that's what the movies he's in are built on as well. But you know he's bankable and he knows he's bankable for being in that. And and so do the people who have him be in their movies is I'm going to rely on Kevin Hart's brand of comedy and I'm going to roll with with that. You can get, you could pick out a lot of different comedy people, and I think you could say that about them. Would you consider Adam Sandler
0: a bit of a one trick pony as well? No, that's his bread and butter, but no, I wouldn't. You know, he's done other things. He's done Funny People, which is a dramatic role. He is kind of trying to take some pages from the Robin Williams school where he is so manic. And then he would start doing things like Good Morning Vietnam, where it would play to both of his strengths, where he was very funny and outrageous, but it also had some very serious, dramatic moments. And it led to him finally winning an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting, you know. So uh, Sandler's kind of gone the same route. His bread and butter is the ho, 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 but he went so far down that road that it has almost imploded his career. He only now is making a bit of a comeback, and I don't mean with the grown-up movies, and I don't even mean with the Netflix deals, except for the stand-up special that he's doing, which is kind of harkening back to the way he did it in the 90s, where it had a little bit more edge to it. He's clearly gotten out of his chair that he's been leaning back in for way too long, and he's coming up with something biting and interesting and funny and very resonant of what he did in the 90s. Sandler may be on a bit of a comeback trail. So the jury
1: might still be out, but, yeah. but with what he's done, I, I think... I think he has been a bit one trick, and yet let's see what happens in the next five to ten years with him. Is there going to be some development that's going to be a little bit different? Because it is kind of interesting watching people in the comedic realm make a more serious turn. Like, for instance, Steve Carell. I mean, you would pretty much know him as being a comedic related actor from all throughout the 2000s. You would know him from that. Whether it's on TV as Michael Scott or in the movies with with the different roles he would play. You know, Although he had a little but bit of versatility branched, to him because even with Brick Tamland, you know, just doing a different kind of comedy role that way in Anchorman, but he has really branched out in a major way into some serious roles and oh, yeah. he has been critically acclaimed
0: for it. Oh yeah, I, I don't think you could pigeonhole him. I think you need to establish yourself and everyone knows him, everyone loves him, now let's see what he can do. And then the – I'll give you a really good example of that would be in the 90s was all about Seinfeld and they get Michael Richards. Regardless of what happened on stage at the comedy store, even if that hadn't happened, he kind of had the shtick about him that that's all he had. And even after Seinfeld, he briefly did that – and you probably don't remember it because it was only on for about 15 seconds – the Michael Richards show where he was a private detective. But he was kind of a bumbling, Kramer-esque bumbling detective – Now, that being said, you haven't seen a whole lot from Jerry Seinfeld. He's done stand-up and stuff, but he hasn't done anything major major project-wise while Larry David has. Julia Louis-Dreyfus has found big success with Veep on HBO, which is finally wrapping up. Even Jason Alexander, he's done some bit parts, but he hasn't really necessarily tried to be the next George Costanza kind of a thing or whatever. But Kramer has got that one he does it very, very well, but it's his one brand. Even if the thing at the stage hadn't happened, you wonder if he would be trying to do new things and new things, but with that creamer-esque quality and yes. not succeed. Maybe he would have. Who knows? But that's even if you go before Seinfeld, that was kind of what he was known for also.
1: Seinfeld's kind of, in his own way, become a a, a host for other comedians, with comedians and cars getting coffee. Yeah, He's a guy who likes to court other comedians and, and just chat with them and hear about their life oh, a yeah. little bit, that would, which is kind of a, a neat little take on it. But anyway, that's that's in the
0: realm of TV primarily. Oh, but, Letterman's done the same thing. He's got his own little talk show on Netflix called yeah. needs no introduction or something like that. But, um, but that's a good example. Those are good
1: examples, at least drawing from the TV realm, of what that can look like in the movie realm, too. And some people who have crossed over between TV and the movies, they are... You know, they kind of take their role that you always know them as and they, they take them into the movies. Jennifer Aniston, I think, is one example.
0: Yeah, she's the lovable girl next door. But then again, she's – she. what do you say? I, I don't – you know, I, I like Jennifer Aniston. I do. But I don't want to give her a whole lot of credit because she's had very limited success outside of Friends. Now, she's been in some – big movies but she was very much a supporting thing and it wasn't necessarily what she did I think the biggest departure I ever saw her in that was you know good in my opinion was We're the Millers it was a comedy but she played against type you know she on the surface I, she's very Jennifer Aniston-esque but underneath not so much and so that was you know a bit of a stretch in a, in a way but she's done some dramatic work and I'm not saying that she's not good as a dramatic actress, and that was just, just a and that was just a couple of years
1: ago yeah. as well. So that it gave a chance for her to be able to step into a different kind of character than what you're used to with her, and yet at the same time,
0: they still use the kind of characterization that you are so used to with her to start things out on the surface. I think people just genuinely like her. Not necessarily the character she plays. I think they're all probably variations on the same kind of character. She's friendly and nice and tries not to step on toes, very Rachel Green esque from friends. But people generally like her. And so there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, and there's it's a one trick pony if you've got some kind of an angle and that's all you do. If you go out and you're just an actor, you know, then it's hard to say you're a one trick pony if you're just trying to be in every movie, you're some sort of an everyman like Tom Hanks. Generally, not every movie. Forrest Gump is not an everyman. Um, what was that one he did with the Coen Brothers? Where he looked like Colonel Sanders. That was very different. Anyway, um, can't remember what that movie was called. Um, but he's generally best known as being an everyman. I mean, Captain Phillips. He, you know, anybody you could see anybody captaining that ship. You know, Tom Hanks has some quality about him to do it. That's his big thing, but he does other things. But they are in versatile roles, very too. and versatile roles. Yeah. So he's not that. For a while, up till the early '90s when he did Philadelphia and Forrest Gump, every Tom Hanks movie prior to that was pretty much a very similar kind of a character. And then yeah. he's really spread his wings since then, and everything else, Saving Private Ryan, and you know, yes. he's, oh, he's he's he's, he's going to go down as this generation. I wouldn't call him a De Niro, but he's darn good. One of the beloved, Greeks. yeah,
1: beloved. Rick and Nick talk. Flix is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. As we continue with our topic today, discussing one trick ponies, as well as a little bit of one hit wonders mixed in there too. What else did you have in mind, Dave, in terms of one trick ponies or, or ones that that you were thinking about when thinking about this topic in general when it comes to the movies?
0: I can go. Um, it's hard to it's hard to do this with a particular movie because um, if there was only one, there was only one. Well, were there plans for more? Well, sort of. You know, I'm not talking about things that were tried and disaster fell. Um, like you could look at Universal's attempt to resurrect the dark universe of the Mummy and Dracula and Frankenstein. They did get the Mummy movie out with Tom Hanks and it did not, or with Tom Cruise rather, sorry, did not go so well. But I wouldn't necessarily utilize that as an example. But I would, we would talked about Keanu Reeves, I would talk about The Matrix. When you're talking The Matrix is so awesome, you're generally referring to the original one. Now, they made others, and and while we're talking about this, we'll lump it in with it, is Pirates of the Caribbean. The first one, hugely inspired. Great movie. I really did love that movie. And the first Matrix, fantastic. Wow, let's do more. So they did more, and they progressively got less good. Now, the Matrix becoming a trilogy, I think the third one was better than the second one. The second one was uh, hard to put my finger on it exactly um pirates of the caribbean have gotten progressively worse and worse it's more about the quirks of johnny depp and his you know captain jack sparrow character um but the first one was so well let's just keep churning cur- out the more of the same with no inspiration there's your one trick pony i had both of those written down as well yeah the same the same
1: thing and i even included in the Wachowskis with, with yeah. the matrix because they haven't really found much in the
0: way of of Commercial success outside of that first Matrix, and they had one of the biggest bombs in in Hollywood history. Post Matrix, when they did Speed Racer, it yeah. looked like you were on LSD. You know, people walked out of that theater just I don't know what to think. You know, it was it's yeah, it a was mess. crazy.
1: Yeah, a mess. But the original Matrix is fantastic iconic it's i mean just iconic we're into the 20 year anniversary of it now this year yeah sorry dave um it's it's pretty amazing when you when you think back on the impact that that movie had and yet they could not follow it up in the next two same with pirates of the caribbean they could not follow up the success of the original and not just the I mean box office wise sure they followed it up but
0: critically they didn't follow it up yeah, very that's, well. That's the most important thing I could care less about how much movie how much money the movie pulled in. I mean that's important and yes it's something to think about. Yes, absolutely. But I don't judge a success on a movie based on what it pulled in box office-wise. And generally, the box office has a lot to say about the previous movie. If the first one was good, people will go see the second one and only then find out it wasn't so good. Then the box office drops for the next one and the next one and so on and so forth. But look at the Marvel movies. They've jammed in like two a year on average, three a year Some in some cases, for the last 10 years. Iron Man, the first one was, what, 2009, so 10 years ago, I think is when it was. 2008, I believe. Okay, so yeah. like 11 years but, I mean, they're cranking them out, numerous ones a year, and they're working. Not just are they still making money. The box office isn't dropping down. Granted, they do have their main event movies, Captain America Civil War, the Avengers movies. Um, those obviously are the big ones. But even critically, they're still making them work. So that's the big question that we'd ask earlier. Will this be the collapse of the bubble? They're still working, and people are still going to see them, so maybe it won't. I think it's when things start to change. right that you know, things will start to change. But that's not the case. But with Pirates of the Caribbean, they're just still, they won't stop. Now they're going to make them without Johnny Depp. So I'm I, rolling my eyes. I have another
1: one. Along with The Matrix, along with Pirates of the Caribbean, there was another movie, and it's another 90s movie, that came to mind as being a movie that worked brilliantly when it first came out. And then they tried to do follow-ups to it. They tried to do something similar to it and it just never never stuck again and the directors of this movie they've kind of faded away into obscurity and never found any project that hit on this again would you be able to guess just based on based on all of those those you said, clues You said
0: directors and that kind of throw it narrows it down but i'm not nothing's hitting on me all of a sudden they do a lot of that with animation but no
1: it's celebrating its 20 year anniversary as well or i believe it's the 20 year anniversary of it the Blair Witch Project. Oh. I would I would call that a big time one hit wonder yeah. slash one trick pony because never could be duplicated. Nope. They, they tried to follow it up afterward with coming up with something new, but they couldn't do it. And the Blair Witch Project was the first, and I was reading a great article on this a couple of weeks ago. It was the first major movie to get online marketing that drove it an online buzz that drove the interest in going to see the movie with the clues that they dropped online through the website the long promotional campaign that they had making you wonder is this real or is it not and the way they blurred those lines the two directors two college guys who put this together and it was a phenomenon and yet not to be duplicated or followed up.
0: I Yeah, that's a very good example. And then not only was it a one-trick pony just in the way they did it, happenstance and the timing of it. The Internet was still coming out of its infancy, but it wasn't anything It was close. the Wild West. Oh, yeah, but it, nothing resembling what it is now. Not, it wasn't the time of year where, or not, that it makes no sense, it wasn't to the point yet where all the information you could possibly want to know was at your fingertips. It wasn't quite to that level yet. And so, if you really wanted to know what's what's the story with the Blair Witch, you didn't get that like you would today. So, if you tried to do and you did it exactly the way you did it then, it wouldn't work today, because the internet was still so much shade to it. You know, there were a lot of dark corners in the internet. I don't mean dark web; I mean like basic things. Google then wasn't what it is now. Amazon. I'm not spending money online. Are you kidding me? The cream hadn't risen to the top yet. No, not not even that. It just it wasn't fully formed. You know, it was still very fetal. You know, it hadn't quite developed yet. Yeah. And so it worked for what it was. And you couldn't go look for the real truth because it wasn't there to be found yet. You know, now it would be. Um, So that really worked to his advantage. And you really had, you had them tying in with the sci-fi channel doing this documentary that has sold it as if the Blair Witch Project, the movie, really truly was as it presented itself. That's right. Footage. They did all this extra photography just for this. And people believed it. Oh my God, these people really did die out there. So we think they're really gone. They're just, and they even had the actor and the actress and actors take a year off. Yes. They they paid them X amount of money so they wouldn't be in anything else. Well, let's go look at their credits. There were none because this was their first movie and they had been paid to not do any other movies for a year or whatever it was afterward. And so there was nothing to see. And it worked. It worked. The article I was reading, it was staggering
1: to read about how well it worked. And, I was too young at the time to really know much about it, but I I still remember hearing people talk about the Blair Witch Project going, "This this was an unbelievable phenomenon with the way that it worked. And people who would leave the theater genuinely terrified after going to see this. And the marketing that they did for that worked so well, and it set the stage for marketing of other movies in many ways. And yet... Blair Witch, in terms of its own "quote unquote" franchise, this this was it. The directors oh, yeah. who did this this was their moment. This was their one trick pony, their one hit wonder, and it's it, it's hard to follow something like that up and to keep it fresh because y- you got to strike it rich while you can and strike hard with with something like this while you can and and they did. They found the formula and they found it and they made it work, and yet. It's hard to duplicate something like that.
0: But ultimately, well, I'm not I don't want to take anything away from the movie. What they did really was truly remarkable. But it was also in a way kind of a house of cards because it was built up so much around it. So that when you look at the movie itself, if you look at it 20 years ago, let's say you weren't around then and you're watching it for the very first time, it just doesn't have that residency that it did then because it doesn't. So it has to stand ultimately on its own. And sometimes Going back to look at older movies doesn't always hold up because they don't necessarily stand on their own. Sometimes they're just a product of their time, and when the time is over, well, it's over. You know, it just doesn't resonate like it used to. So some things don't date as well. I'm a big movie fan. I've got still have a lot of DVDs at home. I don't have Blair Witch Project. And I don't have plans to get Blair Witch Project at home because I don't really feel that I'm ever going to want to watch it. Now, if I'm flipping channels and I land on it, yeah, sure, I'll take it, take a look at it. But For nostalgia's sake. I don't see myself saying ever gosh i really want to blair Witchet tonight no i don't you know and if i really do i'll find it somehow but eh, it was what it was and i'm not trying to take away from it they really nailed it on the head but it was very much a product of everything around it and they had to build it up to a point it's a maybe the best example we've got here of a one trick pony
1: another good example actor wise of a one trick pony was somebody you brought up to me before we got started with the podcast and you laid out a pretty compelling case Clint Eastwood.
0: Yeah. And I don't want to take anything away from Clint Eastwood and Clint, please don't hurt me. You know, he's the only senior citizen I would really be nervous about. But every Especially with that snarl on his face if he step into the room. He found something about him that works. Uh, a mannerism that just works. I mean, he's a charming guy. If you and watch individualism
1: him. as well. Yeah,
0: I mean, if, whether you're talking about the spaghetti westerns or the Man with No Name to Dirty Harry to um, William Money and Unforgiven to uh, I forget the name of the character in Gran Torino, they are essentially the same character. They are pretty much the same way he does it. He's got the the gruff, you know, minimal answers. Well. I guess that I'm even going to try to do an Eastwood impression. He's a talented guy. Don't get me wrong. As a director, he's found a whole new career, and younger people kind of know him as the director, Morse, and that older guy, rather than Dirty Harry, or this guy that could really do it. I'm very entertained by his movies, but they're basically a takeoff of the same character over and over again. It's one that he's done well, and because he's got such charisma about him, it works for him. And so, but it is kind of, yeah. Which honestly is a testament to Clint Eastwood that
1: he can bring the same kind of character into different genres. Yeah. And he makes it work pretty well. And you you almost don't mind in your own way. Like I, the man with no name is technically, he's three different characters in those three movies. Yeah. And yet, you know, he's still pretty compelling. You know, even in some of his other Westerns, he's still very similar in that way even though he's different characters and yet he still has this gravitating presence about him that makes you go yeah this is really entertaining even
0: though this does feel very similar you could see if you you know any of those movies where he tells you the character's name if you edited that part out you could almost make a compelling case that it's the same character from movie to movie to movie even though one might be in the old west and another might be on the streets of a city maybe Clint with the time traveler San Francisco in the seventies and early eighties, the old west, and it's the same guy, essentially doing kind of the same thing in a way. He just wants to be left alone. Dirty Harry, not so much. I'm but. typing this in on Google. Is Clint <laughs> Eastwood a time? Not Clint traveler? himself, but his characters. His character is Bob Stevens or whatever, and he's just traveling through time and winds up in these movies somehow to be essentially the same character. Um, and I, I, I do not want to take away from Clint Eastwood. He's a Hollywood icon, and deservedly so. Because he's managed to do it, his one-trick show has lasted a long time, and he has certainly become more versatile. I mean, there's directing abilities, which he's done for a long, long time and found some success with the Oscars, and but lately less so. Um, uh, he's That's all I'll say about that.
1: Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be bad, this one-trick pony kind of nature to some of these to some of these performers as well as to some of these movies where it gets bad is if it does become stale or it's like there there's not a gravity about that person or there's not a pool about those movies that keeps you coming back even though you kind of know what you're going to get you know in some ways you mentioned you mentioned the superhero movies earlier in many ways you could say that that marvel has its own cookie cutter formula with the way that they do movies in some ways they have a formula and yeah. i know that's i know that's pretty general but at the same time you kind of know what you're going to get but it keeps you coming back and yet the individual stories are intertwined and they each kind of have their own way of going about doing it enough
0: i think with, while you I, I wouldn't say cookie cutter there's definitely a formula there's definitely rules in the same way that there's james bond formula you know what works works And you do get those examples where they'll go a little different. Skyfall was a very different Bond movie. So was On Her Majesty's Secret Service. They they kind of stray from that formula – uh, it, it, on Her Majesty's on her, Oh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I can't speak this morning. Was at the time not so beloved. It has become much more since. Yes, and uh, Skyfall has been I beloved just watched since. it. The, I just watched it the other week, and I was like, "This is a
1: great movie." And yeah. I never thought about that.
0: Yeah, Skyfall was beloved from the get go, but it had those rules, and and Marvel's got those rules. DC had some rules, and they really weren't working too well. So, they had their formula. You got to find what works. And speaking of superheroes with DC, another one I'll give you was Superman. Superman on the big screen has generally really only worked once, and that was with Richard Donner. So, that's the original 1978. And for the Donner filmed half of Superman 2 before that whole debacle, and that's a whole other topic. And Superman 2 was a good movie. Everything after that, the Christopher Reeve era from three on bad and then you bring in other stuff superman returns it wasn't a bad movie but it wasn't a great movie and the Zack snyder era i think henry i think henry cavill does a very good job as superman but those movies leave you wanting something more and different even man of steel is probably the best of the bunch and even that is it's an okay movie you know but it's nothing special um they haven't found a way to make superman work and it's superman so there's kind yeah. of – so far you could say almost a one-trick pony in the way that it was done. You have to pay reverence to what it is, yet have some fun with it, but don't go too far with it. Yes. And, that's, and he's got to be a bright, colorful beacon of hope but Zack Snyder's got a bunch of dark and shade on him and whether it's the color of the suit which is supposed to be kind of a reflection of the character you don't want bold you want mute you don't want these muted gray tone versions of the blue and the red you want him to be bright and He's a beacon of hope. That's right. Make him be that. He can't be Batman, so don't try to. Rather
1: than just hovering as a beacon of hope, make he's, him a literal beacon yes. of the color. Yeah. See,
0: he's, that's what he's supposed to do. We, my life for me sucks, but let's watch Superman where everything's better. You know, Even when he faces challenges, he will rise above them by God, and so can I, and that's what Superman is. But people aren't grabbing onto that, and they're trying to change the image of what Superman is into something that he isn't, and it doesn't work. I had mentioned to you Keanu Reeves because
1: I thought, at least initially until I considered the Bill and Ted thought, that, that he was a guy who was stuck in the action trope a little bit. I think there are others who are maybe more so aligned with that than the Keanu Reeves example that I gave. For instance, let me give you two names, and I'm curious what you think about them in terms of one-trick pony. Jason
0: Statham and Vin Diesel. Absolutely. Absolutely. They've done token movies where they're doing something funny. What was the movie where uh Vin Diesel was like the nanny or whatever it was? I oh think- yeah, the pacifier. Pacifier. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Same way that Arnold He's Schwarzenegger. He's still a secret agent. Schwarzenegger was a pregnant man. It was a token ha 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 effort in junior. Maybe you didn't see that one. It was nope. or twins. I didn't think Twins was that great a movie. Kindergarten Cop. I like Kindergarten Cop because yeah. it's it's he's not shying away from what he is. It's like taking Conan the Barbarian and making him dress up nice. He's still Conan the Barbarian. That was a
1: good break from the usual Schwarzenegger
0: Kindergarten yeah. Cop because it put him in that setting. And it's not trying to make him soft. It's, you know, he's finding a softer side, but it's the same guy. Yes. You know, and so it worked. You know, it, it just you know those work, but trying to get somebody a token thing, you have to own it, you have to do it, and it just doesn't work for those guys, at least not yet. I'm not taking anything away from those guys, but they that's kind of what they do. And isn't it funny that they are
1: in the same movie franchise now with the Fast and Furious? No.
0: <laughs> There's only so many action stars now. They got to find more <laughs> to bring them in. So, well, who do we got left? It's like those. You know, and the hey, expend- let's
1: spit it off and do Hobbs and Shaw now, too, yeah, which gotta, is unnecessary. When
0: we do another Expendables movie, well, we got to bring in all these guys that were one named action heroes and try to get them together somehow. Yes. I think that has had its shelf life now. I think, not to say there won't be an Expendables 4, but I think the bloom is off the rose now. Um, we'll see. I think uh, Sylvester Stallone is a little busy with uh, Creed right now and everything else.
1: Which, by the way, that that the recent Rocky movies, the Creed movies, yeah. have really helped Sylvester Stallone break the mold on oh, maybe yeah. where he would have been considered a one-trick pony. Because he's been lauded for his performance as an aged Rocky in those movies. Like, I... I love the Creed movies, and a big part of that is not just Michael B. Jordan, who's fantastic, but they've reinvented Sylvester Stallone a little bit, and they've reinvented Rocky a little bit into this sage,
0: older man. Well, they've got a new Rambo movie coming, too, where this this will allegedly be the last one. Oh, good grief. There's a connection between those two, but... There's also a dissimilarity. Rambo is straight action. Rocky is, I mean, one best picture in 76 is a drama. But it is and a drama. It should, And yeah. should have. I mean, it's got moments, yes, but at its heart, at the heart of all of them, even the most overhyped Rocky 3 and 4, which happened to be my favorite of the bunch, um, they're still at their core very dramatic, and that's what works. Yeah. You know? So,
1: But like Jason Statham and Vin Diesel are very good examples
0: of, I do it the same thing over and over.
1: Yes, and especially in the action genre. We mentioned the comedy genre earlier, and how it's so easy for people who are within it to. And I didn't even mention a name like you know even Michael Sarah, who
0: seems to do the same kind of role that that nerdy, but look, guy. but look what's or, happening to him. His career is kind of. What else has he done lately? Really, right? He's kind of. What else can he do? Well. You better hope that arrested development keeps going on Netflix because he's not he can't play the awkward teen anymore, because what is he in real life? Almost thirty? He's can't, now the awkward man. Yeah, you, at that <laughs> point it becomes uncomfortable. It's cute when it's younger, but you know, he might be one of those great younger actors that doesn't make that transition.
1: Yeah. But in the same way, action movies produce those kinds of people as well. You know, we've seen that. That's why those two names, Jason Statham, Vin Diesel, they really came to mind. I think
0: the Rock has shown a little bit of versatility here and there. Oh, he's shown a lot of versatility. He's he's a lot more three-dimensional than some of his predecessors. Yes, he's for cert- the genre, yeah. Oh, he's extremely charismatic. He can do the action, obviously, and he's actually gifted at comedy. He really, really is. He's got so much of a flair to him, and that was something even when he was still a wrestler. He showed that in Jumanji even, too. Oh, he's shown that long before that. He's got the charisma and the personality. Schwarzenegger, if you want to say, was the predecessor of The Rock. I never really liked him in the comedy so much. Kindergarten Cop worked because he wasn't trying to be funny. He was a fish out of water. But if you give him a straight-up comedic role and he's just trying to be funny, it doesn't work. Because half the time he can't pronounce the things correct in California. I never heard California with 12 syllables to say it, but that's how he says it. And that's a whole other thing. Um, But, you know, speaking, go back to like Michael Sarah, where you talk about young actors. Maybe the biggest one-trick pony, the biggest one-hit wonder in Hollywood history has got to be Macaulay Culkin. But there's a turning of the worm here. You know, he he does the Uncle Buck movie, which funny enough is filmed in the same house as Home Alone, if you didn't pick up on that. Wow. Yes. So you have that, then you have a sort of a spin-off, essentially, is what it was of Home Alone one and two. And then he went off and did a couple other things just to try to capitalize on it. it never really worked out Home Richie Alone. Rich. Richie Rich did the the good son. The Page Master. Yeah, it was done after Home Alone Two. But he's a guy that also had a lot of family issues behind the scenes with his dad. That's a long story. You can look into it all. His dad, former star, um, tie-ins with Michael Jackson, um, all kinds of things. He's kind of rejected Hollywood in a way, but he's not gone away. He's kind of done his own thing. He's like the the smartest kid in the room kind of vibe right now. He does his own podcast, which is really smart and honest. He has all the money in the world. He doesn't need to work. Yeah. But he kind of does. And he's. The, I don't think the verdict is in on him yet. He did the Google commercial. did the Google commercial, which is kind of a takeoff of what he does. He does a lot of podcasting. I don't think the verdict is fully in on him yet. I think for a while it probably was, but he, the verdict may be going back to an appeals court here, so to speak. He's not a one-trick pony. He's in the one-hit too, wonder category. Too early to say. Too yeah. early to say. He certainly has got talent. He's done other things. He does a little bit of music, but he might be... Maybe somebody that will remember more as a social commentary on Hollywood. Maybe. Well, there are two other child actors that I thought of on the the one hit
1: wonder side, and I'm sure Dave, you would you would agree on both of these counts.
0: Peter Ostrom. Oh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory.
1: You got it. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, who is Charlie Bucket's and Danny Lloyd? Yeah, from The Shining. Both both young child actors who made a splash and were a big deal in the movies that they came out in, never to be heard from again. I think one of them is now
0: a science professor I know or something. F- I know for a fact Danny Lloyd never made another movie. Yeah. He, that was the only one he ever never. did. So that's it's almost hard to say with child actors because they'll try something. Did you like that little buddy? Well, I don't know. And he'll do some other things. Yeah. Chunk from The Goonies is an entertainment lawyer. He never really did anything after that with movies, and I don't think he really wanted to. So can you call him a one trick pony or somebody that tried something, didn't love it, is known for it? But that's went on why, to other
1: things. That's why I prefer to think of it as they're in the one hit wonder category. They... Oh, but
0: but even even that, I mean, you keep Vanilla Ice put out other songs, but you only remember him for Ice Ice Baby. You know, it's not that he didn't try. People will try, do, and it's like, eh, done, and they'll move on. Yeah, you know, that's almost a different thing. But look at. Here's another good example, Paul Hogan, Crocodile Dundee. Yes. he That's what he's known for, and he did a couple other movies, but they didn't quite work. And they were all sort of takes off of, if not some outback character, but somebody with that kind of spirit in a different situation. Two others I had along those lines, Elijah Wood
1: is one that comes to mind. Oh,
0: no, I would—I disagree with that one. You, you would? Oh, big time. Big
1: time. You know, in a, you would think of other things apart. I know he was, especially as a kid,
0: he was in some movies or when he was younger. But Frodo Baggins is... Oh, that's, that's what people know him for. But he's made the choice to do offbeat stuff. That works. He did a show on FX. Um, what was the oh one of the yeah, it was just, dog, just the other Wilfred couple or something of years ago. Yeah, Wilfred. Yeah. That's it right. It got great response. He did good. It was only going to run for a limited time. He got great reviews on it. He's done other things. I think he's a lot more versatile than that. I mean, Lord of the Rings is the big commercial one that he's done that everyone knows him for. But that's not to say he isn't steadily working and a noteworthy projects, getting noteworthy praise, doing something that is very. Frodo, non Frodo. Then, then can we agree that at least
1: in a mainstream sense, he was a one-hit wonder? Because that's kind of what I was thinking. Is I've seen him in other stuff, and I've seen him here and there, but it's all very limited.
0: I think it's a subjective claim. I think one-hit wonder implies you keep. It's like the mighty Casey at bat. You keep going up, you keep swinging to that ball, and you miss it, but you hit it that one time. That's a one-hit wonder. If you're going to go and you had your one day at the big leagues you're like, you know what? I'm never going to get this good again or I want to do different things. It's not a one-hit wonder, it's changing streams. It's getting out of the park, it's going to do something different. I don't want to hit anymore. I want to be a pitcher. You know, you do something different but you find success at it. This might be the big thing that I'm known for, but this isn't all I'm going to do. And so, I a one-hit wonder so implies So it
1: depends it depends on how you define it, essentially. But I
0: think generally the impression is this was the only time you could make it work doesn't necessarily mean failure but this is the one time that it worked for you you know with elijah wood it works but on a less level and he's intentionally going for offbeat quirky stuff and it's working he's got he's got a good career in that he's still a big name not just based on some movie that came out 20 years ago almost god can you believe or 15 years ago let's be fair um he's he's got a, he's got a well known four things since then they're just not on that size of scale and the same thing with you know um, Vigo Mortensen who was you know our one of those that's that's what he was best known for, but he's done other things since.
1: Well, I mean, he was just in Green Book, which there, was that just came out Best
0: Picture, best yeah. Best
1: picture winner, and he was I remember he was in Hidalgo as well. He's been in he's been in a couple of other things. He's like, been in
0: a couple other things, but none of them have equaled the success until Green Book, that just won Best Picture, of Lord of the Rings. So you could almost make a claim on that up until this, but then again, maybe not so much. They're just not as big. Same thing with Elijah Wood. I don't think it qualifies for him because he is finding success, just not on that level. But that's not because he doesn't have any other options. If he ever wanted to get back into some big epic show, I'm sure people would hire him because they're going to look at his body of work, not just, well, you've done this before, Oh, look at all these quirky things! You've got some good accolades. You've got some range here, son. Yeah, and he's still youngish. So, if this is a guy that's thinking about having an acting career till he's old and gray, he's got a long way to go. Look at the resume he's building. This is a guy saying, "I can do everything." That's like what we, what you
1: and I agreed on with Mark Hamill. We agreed yeah. that, at least in a in an on screen sense, yeah, he was a commercial. One hit, quote unquote one hit wonder with Star Wars, but when you broaden the scope, it's actually not entirely true. Because as a voice actor, he's been excellent as the Joker, and he's going to be doing some other some other work here in the near future. Too, Child's play with yeah. Child's Play, yeah, new Chucky. So he's done he's done some great voice work. He's just varied what he's done. So what it comes down to is. What is your interpretation when it comes to the one-hit wonder side, the one-trick pony side? I think there's some interpretation there too. Yeah. But when it comes to a one-hit wonder, it's a little bit less defined, That's and it's a little bit different. That's what makes so much fun. If, yeah. you just,
0: if you just say, "I think this," yes, you are correct. Next. There's no fun in it. Exactly. But if I say, "Hoove," I think this. Oh. Oh, oh! There's got to be, you know, playful. There's no, you. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. It's not a hateful anything. It's just back and forth and all that. You think really? You think? Oh, there's no way that makes for fun, entertaining dinner conversation. We don't get to do enough debate on this show sometimes.
1: So this is this is kind of enjoyable. We're we're
0: generally of a similar opinion, not of everything, but you know, I'll I'll defend Elijah Wood. I'll I'll say he's got a little bit more under his belt.
1: And I'm and I'm saying too that I don't necessarily knock that as a bad thing. I would just say that in terms of a commercial. Like in the mainstream s- stream of consciousness, there hasn't been a lot that Elijah Wood has had going. Although I'm sure there are some who are listening right now who are going, "Well, that's not entirely true," and they they would side that's with a, you that, huh? or you. That's okay. So, and but I and I like Elijah Wood a lot. It's it's just that singular
0: role, Frodo Baggins. Well, I agree. That's 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 the peak of his mountain. But it's not a peak unto itself, and There's it's not a, the full it's story. It's part of a range,
1: absolutely. But yeah.
0: when we 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 could go back to a good example would be say Shannon Elizabeth. You know, she was the hot chick from American Pie, and that's kind of how everyone remembers her. She's done versions of that. Yeah, she came up when I googled this
1: topic in general. Yeah,
0: she'd be, but she'd be a good example to bring up about this because after American Pie, she's done other things, but. They're all variations on the same thing. She's the hot gal, and you could see whatever her management behind her was trying to position her to maybe become like the next Demi Moore of the time, which was, you know, she's going to be very attractive, but she's got bull acting chops, and you could see her going to loftier things, but it never happened. She just kept being the hot chick. Okay, next movie, the hot chick. I'm not saying she's not capable of doing it, but that's where she ended up going, that was her one trick pony. I'm the hot chick. That's my thing. You know, I don't. I've not seen a picture of her in the last fifteen years. I don't know if she still is the hot chick. I don't know. I'm sure she's got great skills, but you won't know it because you've never seen them. Did she? Did you know that she was in a James Bond video game? I did actually. Yeah. Yes, I did. That was interesting.
1: I came across that in researching for this topic. I was like, really? Huh. Okay.
0: <laughs> I, 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 you know, something like that. I'd love to see. A movie where here comes Shannon Elizabeth as a completely different character. I mean she's an attractive woman, so she'll still be an attractive woman. But doing a show where it's not about her looks, it's about what she can deliver. Wouldn't it be funny if if we would get a movie that
1: takes a series of people and puts them into roles like that? Or movies that more movies like of different sorts that that continue to take our preconceived notion of maybe an actor or an actress or a director even and it really does flip it on its head that's one thing and i know we're going off the movie topic here a little bit we've got one foot in the pool but that's one thing i would love to see with in particular jordan peel's twilight zone which is which has taken some some people in and some big time you know this person um actors actresses and brings them into the story that they have for that particular episode. It'd be kind of cool to see that in a small screen way with a a series like that, that, that brings in different people for each episode. But it'd be cool to see movies that would do that or a movie that almost intentionally does that while also weaving a unique story. And yet it brings in people who, you know, for one particular thing and it totally flips it on its head. I think it'd be, I think people would come to see those people and then suddenly realize this is something entirely different, and if you can craft a good story around it, then you might have something
0: really good going. I'd like to see. I'll give you I'll take a spin off of what you're saying. So some of the one-trick ponies that you think about would be the final girl from those horror movies, the one that makes it to the end of the night or kills the killer or whatever. Take Friday the 13th alone from this. I would love to see, and spin it on its ear. It's not about slasher necessarily. Say you go to this retreat for a, for a PTSD group, and it happens to be all these characters that had survived all these Friday the 13th movies as if they were real events. They all have a shared backstory. They all survived What's-His-Face. Well, now we're going to face our fears. We're going to go on a group retreat to the woods, and it just so happens you can see where it's going. But you And so maybe you give it a twist. You know, not everyone's going to survive, so who's going to be the survivor of the survivor? But here's the twist. It can't be that you're going to have one final, final girl. Maybe you have most of them. Some of them would probably have to go, or otherwise there's no risk. But it turns out not to be a slasher movie as much as it is a psychological horror movie. You have to face your fears, kind of an idea. So it would be a Friday the 13th movie that's not a Friday the 13th, as much as On Her Majesty's Secret Service doesn't follow the Bond formula. This wouldn't follow the Friday the 13th formula. All of you screenwriters out there, there's my gift. Just give me a credit. Just say, hey, thanks for inspiration, Dave. Um, But there you go. You run with it. There's a freebie. I'm not looking to make a cash up. But I think that would be really. Wow. And you have to get the same actresses. You have to get the same actresses.
1: This is why I love the podcast format, because we start out the day with a topic and then we go a direction I could have never foreseen, which is you pitching a screenplay idea. Right here in the podcast for a horror movie, but it, but and you
0: works. love horror topics, and it does work. I think it's a great idea. I, I, no, I didn't mean that. I, mean, I love how you say horror, you Pittsburgh man. Or, horror, sorry, sorry. You you you, Pen- you Pennsylvania man, you. I called you Pittsburgh. I'm so sorry. That's so funny. Wrong side of the state. I know. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, but it, you know, it goes with one trick pony. This one actress is best known yeah. as being the one that survived part seven or whatever. Um, here's an opportunity to spin that off, and if you it's going to be a dramatic psychological thriller movie, could you build a career off of that, a resurgent career, if that's what you wanted? You know, maybe they're, and a lot of them do other things. I know one of them now does like uh, animal therapy, you know, with uh, actually this kind of thing where they'll deal with people that have got emotional issues with horses. I think that's Amy Steele. She was in the second one. That's what she does now. She doesn't act anymore, but she could. And you know, I think it'd be kind of fun. I think a lot of them have gotten away from movies, but that would be kind of cool. And it would be a way to step out of one trick pony, one you know, one-hit wonder kind of idea. In more
1: ways than one, it would be doing that, because when when you would look at who would be in it, it would be kind of reminiscent of that, that idea in general. It, it'd be an idea that you are seeing play out on the screen, and yet it's also true of the people
0: themselves who are portraying those well try this on for size in a lot of those slasher movies some of the characters they give you just to populate the screen with people that might get killed off some of them are intentionally designed as people you don't like so you can't wait to see them go right what if you really cared about every one of them because all those final girls have got a a place in history they've been romanticized for lack of a better term okay so you may have your favorites you may not like this one as much as that one but you kind of care about all of them you don't want to see any of them go so let's say let's just say you have 12 of them because that's how many movies there have been so let's say three of them get killed off so most of them are going to make it let's say but the ones that do when they go it's not like all right, Jason it's like no I wanted that one you know that would be something different now what does that do That pulls you in as an audience member. You want to defend the ones that are left because, by gosh, now you start rooting against who has been the anti-hero for this whole franchise. You want to see Jason get beat down because you don't want one more. No, not that one. That's how you change that.
1: We're going to have to get into a build your own movie topic here at some point, Dave, because that's some brilliant thinking. That's and that's spoken as a guy who has watched a lot of horror movies, which are another one where you you could say there's a one trick kind of nature to some of it, although oh, yeah. they they've come up with new ideas over the years, but that's a that's a good one. Yeah. I like that. And I think that's a good place to wrap up on too and and a place to ponder more ideas on how can we take the one trick nature of some of these movies and some of the people who are in them and try to flip them into new ideas because that's something you and i've talked about so often
0: we'll take a look at how do we create originality and take you just kind of brought this up here's a great example jordan peele he's a comedian you know there's a lot of sketch comedians they're a dime a dozen they're very talented but they're a dime a dozen had he just done key and peel and got that off the air and tried to do the next version of key and peel well who's jordan peele who's who's he So then he took and spun everything on its ear. He went from comedy to, call it what it is, horror, thriller, whatever you want to do it, Twilight Zone also. With comedic twinges in there. With some comedic twinges, but it's a whole different thing. He's come up with a whole subgenre. Even if this is the last note he plays in his symphony, so to speak, wow, wasn't that poetic, then that would be, he's not going to go down as a one-trick pony. Well, Key and Peele, great comedy and then you do Get Out, you have Us, you have The Twilight Zone, and whatever else he's going to do in his career, he could kind of go pretty much anywhere. I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up in an action movie. Why not?
1: Why not? Yeah, he's he's got it going right now, and he's he's been impressive. He has made me really consider getting cbs all access just to see what he's doing with the twilight zone yeah. because i enjoy watching the old one on netflix rick and nick talk list is sponsored by the bemidji theater located on highway 2 just across from the bemidji airport don't forget about their five dollar movie nights on tuesdays you can also check out our big deal store at paul bunyan broadcasting.com and you can check out the deals that are there for the bemidji theater uh to go on a discount although with those tickets mind you you do have to wait sometimes, I think about two weeks or so, uh, because no comp tickets are allowed sometimes yep. on big movies. For instance, you will not be able to use a comp ticket on the Avengers Endgame end for at least two weeks,
0: probably. Yep. So, so keep that in mind. If you don't go see those movies right away, then wait a while. I could probably go use it to go see Jordan Peele's Us this week. Yes. It's been a couple weeks.
1: Yes, so it would work all right for that, but probably not for Endgame. Yes, so. there are restrictions for some of those passes. Good topic today, Dave. That was very enjoyable, Hoo-ah. and again, a very surprised conclusion as well with coming up with some uh, some screenplay ideas as well. I, I think really you want to see
0: that. Write write that down. You
1: know, jot I don't that down. To. It's going to be bit.
0: out in cyberspace forever. Let somebody else come up with it, and then let me know. Give me just a little credit. I'm not trying to take some sort of a screen card, anything, or money, but just, hey, inspired by an idea, I heard from a great guy named Dave. Thanks, Dave. And put that on the opening credits. You got it.
1: Yep, if you're an up-and-comer who wants to make their mark, (laughs) there's your idea. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Great Idea Dave. And we will see you at the movies.